Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empowering a community through the mission in their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to our new series on the In Awe Podcast, where we are featuring stories centered around passion. My own life mission has been modeled for quite some time around a quote from one of my sheroes, Dr. Maya Angelou. My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, compassion, some humor, and some style. Our guests for this series clearly are soul sisters in that mantra, and their stories are focused both on the passion projects in which they are currently engaged and the inspiring ways they assist others to thrive with their own passions. Dear listeners, you are going to be in love with this February series on passions. And with that promise, I bring you our first guest. Dr. Julie Hassan is a teacher, researcher, and story collector. She is the Nina B. Hollis Endowed Chair in Education at Florida Southern College. Julie spent 15 years as an early childhood and elementary school teacher. Over the next 10 years as an assistant principal and principal, she saw herself as a teacher of teachers and loved to see the educators in her school stretch and grow. During her time as a school administrator, Julie earned a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of South Florida. Now that Julie is a professor, she researches the ways teachers make a lasting impact on students. That research is the basis of the Chalk and Chances Project, which she founded in 2018. Julie is a TEDx speaker and the author of Unmapped Potential, an educator's guide to lasting change. In this episode, Julie shares about her mission in the Passion Project in which she is currently involved, which is lofty and amplifies the incredible impact of teachers. As I listened to her story, I was in awe of the weaving of people and influences in her life that led her to the work. Her story teaches us how we too can rise out of our own self-limiting beliefs and burn with passion and purpose in our own lives. Enjoy this episode with Dr. Julie Hassan. Welcome, Julie, to the In Awe podcast. I'm so excited to feature you on our series on passion. I've just started coming to your work and been just really excited about the fact that the listeners get to hear the great passion project that you're working on and a little bit more about you. So can you provide a current context to our listeners today? Sure. Hi, Sarah. I am so excited to talk to you and super excited about your passion project with the In Awe podcast too. I'm Julie Hassan. I'm a professor in the School of Education at my alma mater, Florida Southern College, which is a dream job um, because I do two of my favorite things. One is teaching and the other is research. So as part of my research, I teach qualitative research methods. Um, most people know Brene Brown. And I think she's probably the most famous among us who do that kind of research. I'm investigating teacher impact. So I do a lot of interviews, observations in schools and collect other kinds of data to find out what makes a, a lasting impact on students. So that's my my passion project right now. It's grown into an online community, chalkandchances.com. Um, and it's been the most fulfilling professional work I've done. Outside of that, um, I have a husband of almost 30 years who is an accounting professor at the same institution, and that's been a new thing for us in the last year. And, and he's the best colleague you could have. 
we have together two adult children. One is a mechanical engineer who should never teach. <laughs> he doesn't have the patience. <laughs> but the other is an elementary ed major um, and will be interning starting next week in third grade. So I can't wait to hear her journey. She will be the fourth generation of teachers in our family and I think will be the best one yet. Really cool. And I love how you can frame, you know, our gifts and our strengths and noting what your son is going to be versus what your daughter will choose to be. He can solve any mathematical or engineering challenge, but not necessarily a teaching challenge. Yeah. And that's so cool because I love that quote about the profession where, you know, the education is the profession, but builds all other professions. So it's really cool that you've got that balance in your own family. So true. And my husband, who has been an accountant all his life um, and earned a doctorate and is now just learning how to teach. That's been so much fun. He's come home every day and said, this is so much harder than it looks. (laughs) And how cool is that? (laughs) That you can grow into it. Uh, But yeah, it is much harder than it looks. It certainly is. So that's really interesting to me, Julie, because, you know, we have you on the series of passion. You're doing this passion project and that's what your current context is. But you've also been in the K-12 education system. Do you want to share a little bit about that with the listeners? Sure. I taught uh, mostly primary grades, K through two, for a little over 10 years and then spent the next 10 years as a school administrator and assistant principal and then a principal. Most of that in Hillsborough County, Florida, which is one of the biggest school districts in the nation. And that has some challenges, but also some blessings because we had a lot of great professional development in our district. And I felt like I was always challenged in every role to stretch and grow and mentor newbies and do better. So I've loved all of my roles in education. Right now as a professor, I teach mostly ed leadership courses. So I feel like now I have this impact in that I get to impact those who are going out to lead schools. Oh, and it's such a critical role in the profession to have really strong examples because just like any preparatory program, I always said this, that when I was going through my own administrative license program, or other degrees seeking institutions that you're going to get out of it what you put in. But I also know that some they're not all made the same. And we all know at any level, the educator that builds the relationship with us that also models the way to get us into a space where we're ready for the practice, not just the theory is critical. So how lucky that your students get to have somebody who has this really well-rounded background in addition to this passion. So that's really great. Thank you. I feel like I'm, you know, in in every role, I try to ask, what is my mission? I don't know. People who love the Blues Brothers, they used to say, I'm on a mission from God. (laughs) I say, what is my mission in this role? And honestly, in this role, I think my mission is to build this little army of critical thinkers who will be savvy consumers of what's coming at them and be able to decide what's best for my kids and my teachers and my school. That's a that's a lofty mission and a valuable one. I'm really curious uh, because you have this book, Unmapped Potential, which you wrote with one of your colleagues. When was that published? We published that um, May 2017, so a little over a year ago. Missy Leonard, who's my co-author and professional soul sister, sounding board, wonderful friend, um, we opened a school together. I was her assistant principal. She was my principal for a few years. We did great things together, and then I got a call to become a principal at my 
own school down the road. And we were both struggling with challenges, big challenges, but different ones. And all of the things we tried weren't sticking. And we realized that the problem was some of our beliefs that were limiting and also the limiting beliefs of our teachers. So we set out to pull what we could from literature and do some of our own qualitative research to figure out what do we need to do to break through these limiting beliefs and achieve the lasting change that our schools so desperately needed. That is a really cool uh, piece of your passion as well, because it would be so easy for professionals in any capacity to kind of give up or start that blame game. But I love how you took your own struggle and then you had your own community member create this text that we all can use which is great. So thank you again for using your passions. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel like anything we build on a limiting belief is like building on a faulty foundation. You know, it's, it's almost like a rubber band. You can push against it for a while, but what you really believe and expect will, will bring you right back to where you were if you don't change that. You just spoke in a way that um, brings me back. I had been going through a real struggle myself in um, a capacity that I was working in. And my brother actually is the one who kind of gifted me with this thought is that he's just said middle management is like a rubber band because you can get snapped from all directions. And you framing it that way is really meaningful to me. Yeah, I can relate to that too. I thank you for sharing that. I hadn't thought about it that way. That that really is true. Or for the listeners and don't totally know what a limiting belief would, could you give me an example of that? I realized that I had this habit, and I think a lot of humans do, of categorizing things into either, okay, that's me or that's not me. So any opportunity that would come up or something maybe I thought about trying, I would automatically say, okay, that's me, so I'll try it, or that's not me. And if I immediately said it's not me, that took out any possibility of even giving it a chance. So there were so many things that I was quickly saying, oh, that's not me. Like people like me don't do that. And I would put it in that category and it would stop being an option for me. So I started to say, anything's a possibility for me. You know, people like me can do that. And we see it in our students all the time. So some kids will say, I'm just not mathematical. I'm not good at math. And math becomes a not me. Or something athletic. I'm not athletic. And that softball tryout becomes a not me. And anything we automatically put there ceases being an option for us. And it's so limiting to our potential and our opportunities. So that was the first habit I had to break was just stop categorizing things in that way. I love it because I think now the listeners are going to be able to come along with you and relate to that because we've all been there. And on the flip side of that is this idea of growth mindset, right? Hold limiting beliefs, then you're not looking at where you can grow or where others can grow around you Mm -hmm. because that's another popular term that people might be able to relate to. And I'm laughing right now (laughs) because it was just, oh goodness, I don't remember what month it was, but Adam Welcome and I, I drove to see him. He was speaking in Minnesota. Oh, I love Adam. Isn't he the best, most positive person? Yeah, and he is heavy on this limiting belief thing because we're sitting there chatting after running together. I said something about how, well, I'm not an entrepreneur. And he said, knock it off. You just said you're not, you're not gonna be one. You are and you can be and you will be. And here we go. I thought, yes. I just need to stop telling myself that after taking this leap of faith 
without knowing where I was supposed to go and thinking I would just get back into a school system, it's been huge for me. So I love what you're saying is that we have to start there and speak honor to ourselves and our abilities. Absolutely. And you, and you may not be now, but you can learn and you will be. I love that example. That's a perfect example. Thank you, Adam. For that. Yeah, it's funny. It doesn't, I, it's really cool how we can find ourselves in any chapter and realize that even though we know these things, I'm certain, you know, I've talked to my staff all the time about changing your mindset and I'm always about the positive mindset and af- affirmations and everything. And here I didn't even realize I was doing it to myself. So I said it out loud and somebody I trusted was able to push back on me, which is great. Yeah, that's the great thing about a friend like that who will make mirror back to you things you don't see in yourself. Oh, it's so important to be brave like that. And he's so good at that. I think it's interesting because it seems to me like your whole profession, in a sense, based upon what I've learned about you and some of your childhood is that found these passions through removing those limiting beliefs. Do you want to share a little bit about why you thought it might be unlikely for you to get into what you're doing right now based upon your childhood? It's an interesting question you ask because we had, my husband and I had a conversation about that the other day about this notion of sort of divine assignments, because I feel like the project I'm involved in right now, I'm not even exactly sure where it came from, but it just sort of evolved and I felt kind of guided into it. And we talked about what it entails. And I thought I am the least likely person to receive this assignment. I think I have to go back to like first grade. And I remember standing outside this big blue door, getting ready to go into my first grade classroom and being so anxious. And I was a really shy, anxious kid anyway, Um, but especially anxious because I was not a reader going into first grade. And my very um, gregarious, gifted, 11-month-older brother had been in that class before, and he was reading before he even got to kindergarten. (laughs) So he, um, although very lovingly made it clear that I probably wasn't ready for first grade. (laughs) So I remember standing there and and then the door opened and on the other side was Nancy Russell, who this was 1975. So she had this groovy bell-bottom pantsuit and long, straight brown hair. And she's just gorgeous and said, what's wrong? And I somehow communicated to her that I wasn't ready. And she said, well, come on in. You know, teaching kids to read is my specialty. And she was so confident and so patient. And I realized that had she shown frustration with me, that might have changed the way I saw myself as a learner. But she was such an amazing teacher that I learned to love school and um, was diagnosed with dyslexia. So really did struggle for a while with learning to read and write, you know, reverse letters, had to look like words jumped around on the page. But she used this multi-sensory approach, which really worked for me. And so I left first grade, not a great reader, but a reader and and felt like a reader and felt like I belonged in school. So grew up to be a teacher, just like Miss Russell loved teaching. And then in 2012, I got the call to leave Stowers with my friend Missy as her AP and become a principal. I think I was going to be their third principal in three years at this school. And there were some clear challenges. And coincidentally, 
they had a big blue front door. So standing there again, feeling unprepared, afraid to go in, finally went in, um, was introduced to the faculty. And I saw this sweet, familiar face. And it was Miss Russell, my first grade teacher. And we had lost contact. It's a big district. So I didn't realize she was there. And I think she had forgotten my married name. So she didn't put together that it was me who was coming. So I got to spend a few years reconnecting with Miss Russell and really watching this master teacher at work. And she, again, you know, boosted my confidence, encouraged me, gave great feedback, helped me grow. So these people show up in our lives, you know, at the time when we need them most. And Miss Russell has definitely been one of those people for me. But I think the fact that I always was a really shy, anxious kid, especially in social situations, and a kid who struggled with reading and writing to take on a project that was based on talking to strangers about teachers they remember, and then writing their stories and doing a lot of background reading, trying to understand the theory behind all of that. I'm the most unlikely carrier of this message, but it came to me and it's been a a way to stretch and grow and push myself and learn. And it's also made me kind of lean on my faith because if you don't feel like you have everything you need to do something, you have to rely on a higher power. So in so many ways, it's been a blessing for me. The fact that I'm not naturally somebody who might be inclined to do this kind of work. But I think there's so many stories of people who are unlikely people to be put in a role or position or given a task or an assignment to do. That, and that is me for sure. I've just been sitting here listening to you getting a little bit, you know, choked up or of a clump because what a beautiful story that I don't think it's coincidence that there was a blue door and that the same teacher <laughs> that gave you that confidence was there. I don't. I really, she, you know, they talk about people who, you know, are put in your life for a reason at certain times. And I, I do believe that about Nancy Russell. And she's still in my life. You know, we communicate. She's my Facebook friend. She retired coincidentally the year that I left to come become a professor. She retired from teaching at that school. And we laughed and said, we just couldn't be apart. You know, we had to just give it up. Oh, Julie. <laughs> but I've been blessed with so many people like that. What you said about being called into positions and those that are unlikely to do so really resonates with my uh, one word for the year in this concept that a a shepherd could get pulled into leading an army and then leading a nation. And so it's just really beautiful to hear your passion working for you here and, and seeing that you're placed here. All right, Julie. So I'm really fascinated by this Chalk and Chances passion project. I think it'd be great for the listeners just to hear a little bit more detail about that. How did you get it started? It started as a research project. So I wanted to investigate the concept of lasting impact on students because I felt like it's so much more than test scores. In education research, a lot of times we talk amongst ourselves. So we interview other educators we observe in schools. But I quickly realized if I wanted to know about lasting teacher impact, I needed to talk to former students, not necessarily educators. Um, They're not hard to find. They're everywhere. So I went to city parks, craft fairs, farmers markets, college campuses, anywhere people congregate with just a sign that said, let's chat about a teacher you remember. Surprisingly, people stopped to talk to me. And I realized everybody has a story about a teacher who made an impact. 
And some of these stories were so beautiful and validating that I thought I have to share them with teachers. They desperately need this. So that became the Chalk and Chances blog. Um, and now the website and people, there's a form on there for people to submit their stories. So if they're not where I happen to be, they can still share with me. And people submit stories. I get comments from teachers and from people who say, I haven't thought about this for a long time. And you brought back sweet memories of this teacher. And sometimes people say, I don't, I didn't realize or make the connection that this strength I have now started from this teacher back then. So it's been the most um, rewarding, beautiful project. And it just keeps growing. It's kind of taken on a life of its own. It would be easy to see why that would happen because I'm just thinking about most of us in the educational field probably had that opportunity. And I always laugh because I think about when I was teaching or as a principal, how many homecomings can you relive? <laughs> you know, you're reliving your own life experience <laughs> through them. Eventually that recedes, but it just kind of makes me laugh thinking about that. But especially those that are outside of the education field, like you said, they all started somewhere and our impact in the education world is one that you don't know about until somebody decides to, to reach out and share it with you. Exactly. I think what you're doing is just incredible because I think about the experiences that I had just having my own staff think about their most influential teacher and just hearing their stories always had me feeling uplifted and you know, poured into in a way that just kind of transcended any of the rest of the icky. So it's really sounds, yeah, like what you've got going on is amazing, amplifying the, the beauty of education because educators aren't always treated as the highest profession, though we are professionals. So I just love what you're doing and I can see where it's just going to continue to grow. Oh, thank you. And I think, you know, sometimes we feel so frustrated and I know I did. And you think, I, what can I do to make a difference in the way our profession is viewed? Or, you know, sometimes you feel powerless. Like there's nothing I can do to help. So I had to think about what can I do? Well, I can share these stories. It's one small thing I can do that might make a difference. You've tied a huge reason why I'm doing this in our podcast to your own work. And so that's pretty beautiful too. So that makes me want to get to a couple of questions that I have for you, Julie, just kind of going back through all of the different things that you're doing, not only in your local district, in your university with your kids broadly through you know the publication of your text, as well as your business now um, and the stories that you're sharing with Chalk and Chances is just amazing. So as an influential woman, what do you think you could say to listeners right now who maybe have a passion or a dream and they need to hear your voice to help them kind of get out of a, a pit of fear or of uncertainty to follow their own passion? I think the most important thing for me is always, you know, focus on the mission. So what is it you're trying to do that will help, that will heal? What is your purpose in doing it? Because I know for me, if I get caught up in kind of external things or numbers, followers, likes, um, units sold, website visits, all of those external measures, I lose sight of the focus and then ego gets caught up in there. And that's never a good thing for me. And, you know, that's when I feel like I want to stop or I want to quit. And our job when we're on a mission is to do what we have to do to not quit. So my advice always is you stay mission focused and focus on 
the one or two people when you're first starting um, who resonate with your work and who you're helping, and then it will grow. And stop worrying about all of those other external measures. They come in time and they're not, they're really not that important. It's great advice. Along those lines, is there anything that you would say to a um, version of yourself at any age or stage, if you were able to write a letter, a former piece of Julie, <laughs> what would you say to her? Oh, gosh. And I think I would, I probably should say the same thing to myself sometimes still is just relax. I um, I'm a high anxiety, high achieving kind of girl. So I worry a lot about what I should be doing, what could go wrong, you know, all of those what ifs. And if I just stayed present in the moment and enjoyed it and relaxed, and like I said, stayed mission focused, things would be much better for everybody. So I think that advice for me as a little person, although I've gotten better at it, is probably still sometimes needed now. Oh, I love that. And again, going back to our own um, limiting beliefs, it's tied there and our affirmations of ourselves. So thank you for kind of keeping that theme. Exactly. You've done a lot. You, you know, your life isn't over yet. I'm so excited to follow you and be connected and see where the rest of your passion project is going to go. And then to see what's next. Cause I can tell that you're a person who is meant for a lot and wondering about your life. What is the thing that you're the most proud of and why would that be? Oh gosh, we have. My husband, Brian, and I um, have been married for, it'll be 29 years this year. And he's such a great partner and really a best friend. And together we have raised these two beautiful adult children. They're kind, they're compassionate. Um, they are out in the world doing good things. And I think most importantly to us, they love and support each other. And I couldn't be more proud of, of any other accomplishment than just the small part I had in making those two now beautiful people. It's a huge accomplishment to, for any listener who is a parent. And for me, just hearing that, thinking it too can, it can happen. I've got a nine and a seven-year-old. <laughs> it can and it will. And, and for me, it was another place where I had to learn that you have to take your ego out of it because they're not really your children. They're a gift and you get the privilege of raising them for a while. And if you let your ego get tied up in the sometimes not so great decisions they make or, or the things they decide to do, it's not good for anybody. So it's another mission focused kind of venture. And what a beautiful gem that you gave to our listeners, because it's so easy to think mine, mine, they're mine. I've said that to my children and I thank you. I needed to hear that because it's a good reminder that they're, they're gifted to me for as long as I get, you know, to be on this earth and they don't belong to me in the, in the whole scheme of things. So I really appreciate that reminder. They're their own souls, aren't they? <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> I know. It's so frustrating sometimes. <laughs> I always have to tell my husband that our oldest, she's got the will of iron and steel and always has. And I just always remind myself and him that it will serve her well in the future if we can keep reminding her to channel that. <laughs> For sure. A couple of inspiring recommendations that I would love to hear from you, Julie. Could you tell our listeners about a, a cause that you support and how we could learn a little bit more about it? I, you know, there's always something, I think, for each of us that, that breaks our heart. For me, it's hungry kids. I just can't bear the thought that 
some kids are hungry. So I try to support in our local community, it's Kids Pack. Um, I know our church has something similar that's a backpack ministry. I think in every community, there's something like that, where they send children home on long weekends or holidays with a backpack full of food so they're not hungry. I heard um, once in a group of administrators, I heard someone say, you know, we have to make sure our kids aren't hungry because they can't learn if they're not hungry. And then, of course, state testing time, there was always let's feed them so they do well on the test. And it would make me so frustrated because we should feed hungry kids just because it breaks our hearts that they're hungry. You know, so that that is a passion of mine for sure. Certainly something you probably saw more in depth than I think that teachers even in the classroom have hints. That was at least been my experience is you always knew there was something going on and teachers have really great and beautiful relationships with students. But I found um, in my work as a principal, there was always more to it than than the teachers would even know at the high school level. I can share that. It's true. It's, and, and more than you would ever imagine and and more than there should be for sure. Can you point us to another person on social media that we should connect with? Oh my goodness. There's so many um, great inspiring people on social media. One actually is a personal friend of mine. She doesn't live too far away and I am blessed to have Lavana Roth in my life. So if you don't follow Lavana Roth, she sends a powerful, positive message. Follow You can follow her at, at Lavana Roth or hashtag Ignite Your Shine, and you will not regret it. That's a great recommendation. We actually are going to be able to feature Lavana on the podcast as well. So that's great. Oh, good. That's awesome. And how about a book recommendation? I, you know, I read so much as part of my work and my project, and it's all really research-based and technical. But for Christmas, someone gave me this book. It's called In the Company of Women. You would love it, Sarah. It's um, just little vignettes and bios about a hundred different women who are makers, artists, entrepreneurs, and they give a little bio and also advice that they would give and beautiful pictures of their workspaces. So it's something you can pick up and read a couple and put back down when you have a few minutes, but it's been so inspirational and and really a gift. It, it was my favorite Christmas present. Well, that's exciting. Thank you for the recommendation. I'm always looking for good reads on stories about women. So perfect recommendation for the In Awe podcast, Julie. <laughs> I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes for anybody that would like to check that out. Oh, great. Yeah, you'll, you'll love it. Great. So one more recommendation is a podcast. And this one, yes, this, this one, of all of the new ones that have just come out, this one I have listened to every episode, plus the bonus you put out, which I think was just maybe Jessica. Uh, and they're all inspiring and so good. Sarah, great work. Thank you. I like so many of them, but one of the ones that I love, and I think he's a mutual friend of ours, is Sean Gaylor, yes. who does the principal liner note. And I love it partly because his voice is like silk. <laughs> he has <laughs> a voice for radio, but also because Sean, as the father of, I think, three daughters, has been someone who really has supported and promoted women in leadership, you know, women um, out there with a message. You know, he's a great um, colleague and supporter of the great work that's happening for so many of us in schools. Well, thank you so much for recommending, Sean, and also probably a fairly new um, podcast as well. Mm -hmm. So I will put, I will link his in the show notes as well. Julie, this has been 
really great. Can you go ahead and just share with the listeners where they can connect with you again outside of this interview? Sure. You can connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Julie S. Hassan. There's another Julie Hassan who I think she's a vegan chef. So um, (laughs) she's got lots of YouTube videos and things on social media. So put the S in there and you will find me. Um, My maiden name is Schmidt. So I think I'm Julie Schmidt Hassan on Facebook. The Chalk and Chances Project has a Facebook page, also a Twitter hashtag. The website is probably the easiest place to find me and it has all the connections to all my social media accounts. That's chalkandchances.com. And we've got a few YouTube videos up if you connect through that website as well. Well, and I will make sure to get links to those as well as your book on Map Potential and Educator's Guide to Lasting Change in the show notes. Great. Thank you. Well, Julie, this has been an exceptional interview and I thank you so much for providing this awe-inspiring interview for our listeners to gain from today. Thank you, Sarah. I had a great time. It was so nice to talk with you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the In Awe Podcast. I continue to be amazed at the way this community is growing and am incredibly grateful to everyone who listens, subscribes, rates, reviews, and shares episodes. The messages are landing, and it really comes down to you as listeners to make that happen. Thank you for joining the In Awe community and for lifting others through both hearing and sharing their messages.